0: Today we're talking about being obsessed with your anxiety. I'm obsessed because I feel scared and want to feel better. Or you can just become obsessed with it because there's a part of you
1: that thinks it's a problem that needs to be fixed. That was the most important thing in life. How do I feel now? Am I doing this right? What can I do to feel better? What can I do to, to fix this? I'm obsessed
0: yeah. with trying to perfect and get to the bottom and, and, and get rid of this.
1: We become obsessed with the state of anxiety and then we kind of naturally gravitate to becoming obsessed with fixing that state. And the obsession with my anxiety was that no matter how hard I tried, I could not seemingly create, I couldn't make a positive outcome. I will find a way, the magic
0: miracle thought or word or technique that gets rid of it so I can go back to living my life of not caring about me or giving myself any praise and just getting on with stuff.
1: Welcome to Disordered. This is episode 19 of the podcast called I'm Obsessed with My Anxiety. I am Drew Linsalata, a graduate student in clinical mental health counseling, a therapist in training, and author on the topic of anxiety disorders, and I am based in New York in the United States. And I'm Joshua Fletcher, also known as Anxiety Josh, a therapist and author based in Manchester in the UK. Hmm. Today we're talking about being obsessed with your anxiety. That's a thing, isn't it, Josh? It is, and, and don't get me wrong,
0: anxiety can be scary, and if you don't know where you are, and the obsession can be... I'm obsessed because I feel scared. I want to feel better.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: also you can just become obsessed with it because there's a part of you that thinks it's a problem that needs to be fixed. Yep. And particularly for a perfectionist and anxiety can be different symbolically for different people. And we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that
1: today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you feel like you were obsessed with your anxiety when you were struggling?
0: The first time I was struggling, I was obsessed with wanting to know what was happening to me and psychoeducation helped mm-hmm. and once i started to feel a bit like cuz i felt so hopeless with with my panic and ocd and agoraphobia mm-hmm. that when i felt a bit like i could you know live again the joy and euphoria of that helped me to kind of leave it alone i was like oh i realize i can leave this alone now i can leave this alone now yeah then obviously you know i got my life back and you know conventional mm-hmm. things came in like ambition Life events happen, and I thought I was in a good place until the it kind of I hate this word, but like the anxiety came back, That's and awesome. I realized I had a different relationship with it. And I realized actually, I thought I had a grasp of this, and I saw that it's kind of reoccurrence as as a symbol of failure, mm-hmm. as a symbol of threat. And therefore, yes, the second time it came around, I became obsessed, became obsessed with trying to fix it learn more about it, even though I'd successfully done well the first time. I forgot to actually heed the lessons of what I did the first time. And the second time I decided to kind of open Pandora's box and try to do everything to finally rid myself of
1: this feeling, which as we know on this podcast was not the way to go. Yeah, not terribly productive. So for you, the obsession was like, oh, it's come back. I did something wrong. I got to fix. I got to figure out what I did wrong. And do it right and fix it this time.
0: Yeah, and it came out through compulsions. Um, this, again, we'll talk about the different ways you can become obsessed with your anxiety, but for me, it was uh, came out compulsions with the anxious thought, what if I've missed something? What if there's a book on recovery that I have yet to read? Mm. What if there's some trapped hidden trauma inside me that's happened in the last four years that was different from when I first got better? What if, and, and this isn't helped by the way by multiple sources of Information and misinformation on the internet making me oh, yeah. a bit confused, and when you're anxious, you just absorb it like a sponge, don't you? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, compulsive resource gathering. My shelves are just full of all these self help books. There's some contradicted each other, some said the same thing, some were just not anxiety disorder informed. Um, and then it became a real kind of personal battle with me where Craig the Critic, as we all know very well, it's Craig the Critic he would just then say stuff like well you've know, you written books on anxiety how come now you're still anxious why are you doing that and therefore it put more pressure on me to get better Mm -hmm. also i think around me and it was a personal pressure people around me i didn't want to upset them there's a pressure to not show them that i'm anxious Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a pressure to not feel embarrassed and the shame of having a, a recurring anxiety and alas yeah it became an obsession it became a thing i needed to yeah. What about you, Drew?
1: Yeah, I, could, I can relate to that. I, I think it was almost every waking moment was anxiety and recovery was the most important thing in the room for me for quite a while. If I was awake, that was the most important thing in life was how do I feel now? Am I doing this right? What can I do to feel better? What can I do to, to fix this? What can I learn about this? Who can I talk to about this? sometimes being obsessed with your anxiety means just wanting to tell people all the time that you're anxious and how you feel and how it's expressing. So yeah, I was, you know, as, as the kids today are, are fond of saying, it became my entire personality. So for a little while, being anxious was my whole personality. And yeah, I would say that I was reasonably obsessed with it. It was the most important thing in my life. And listen, like you said, to begin with when we're struggling, we just want to feel better and that's okay. That's not a crime. So it can be very easy. To become completely consumed with trying to find a way to not struggle, because nobody wants to struggle. We don't want your struggle. I think I answered that from the
0: context of I was obsessed with anxiety recovery. Yeah. yeah, I think in terms of being obsessed with anxiety, yeah, of course. And that's when you're frightened and misinformed and you're doing all these things. Yeah, you, you want to feel safe, and that's okay to want yep. to feel safe, particularly because we know how horrible anxiety feels. Yeah, I think I answered it more through the lens of I'm obsessed with anxiety recovery. I'm obsessed. Yeah with trying to perfect
1: and get to the bottom and, and, and get rid of this.
0: Well, oh so
1: mm. yeah. yeah right. It's both of those things. Like we become obsessed with the state of anxiety and then we kind of naturally gravitate to becoming obsessed with fixing that state. So
0: Yeah. And and of course
1: yeah. um how else did yours present? Well, for me, I mean, I, you know, and this is one of those lessons that, that anxiety recovery taught me that has served me well to this day. I live my life generally. and like, I'll just run over anything in my path. Like I will, will not be beat. I will run everything over. Like I was always that guy, which is okay. You know, not bad. You know, the obstacle is the way and all that stoicism stuff. But I had to learn that like, I cannot run this over. And so for me, that obsession with it or that preoccupation, that constant preoccupation was all about like, why Why can't I just, you know, why can't I just do this? Why can't I just run this over? Like I, I should be able to do that. And I, and I, oof, that's it, so interesting. It was would, so hard to let go of that.
0: I was, or, I was working with a client this morning and um, I have permission to kind of just briefly kind of yeah. vaguely kind of signal to what we were talking about, but it was, um, working with someone who's a perfectionist. So it's a bit different to what you were saying, but it kind of linked in the sense that there's someone who's really good at doing things in life and got very successful by relentlessly doing things to a, to, to perfection, mm-hmm. to to, it, to see it to its fruition, to ultimate success, where the outcome was always great because they threw everything at it. And mix a little bit of emotional conservatism and conservatism in there with some emotional over mm-hmm. and you get someone who is ripe for being stuck with an anxiety disorder because you cannot apply that mindset no, no. <laughs> to, to getting out of that anxiety disorder. what
1: i find interesting uh, in retrospect when we talk about that is you know we get a little bit nerdy about this and you look about like that self-efficacy and positive outcome expectations and we like dig al bandura up and bring him into the conversation I live my whole life with a very high sense of self-efficacy and always positive outcome expectations. I can, I can create positive outcomes. And the obsession with my anxiety was that no matter how hard I tried, I could not seemingly create, I couldn't make a positive outcome. I couldn't make myself feel better. I couldn't run it over. So yeah, I can relate to that. Maybe not perfectionistic. I wouldn't call myself that, but I I can fix things when they need to be fixed. I couldn't effing fix it. And it became an obsession for me. It was difficult. You're a fixer. I, I thought I could fix it. I'm not generally a fixer I'm an obstacle overcomer this is an obstacle so I don't look for things to fix, but if something needs fixing, I'll fix it and I had to learn like I, I can't fix this this is a thing I can I don't not the way that I thought I would fix it can't manipulate it, can't fix it, can't change it
0: so during your kind of anxious recovery, what did that look like then when you realized
1: initially you
0: couldn't or you were struggling?
1: Yeah, it was uh for me it was the realization slowly that I had to let go of the idea that I could brute force my way. You know, like I'm a, I'm a smart guy. I can use all the horsepower I have in my brain to fix this. And I'm a reasonably, you know, physically capable person, even though at my worst I was not because I was sedentary and overweight from the antidepressants and all of those things. But I still saw myself as very capable. Interesting, mm. right? So even at my worst, I still saw myself as capable, even while I felt like I was a failure, which is another topic we can cover one day. And I think that's probably one of the
0: barriers that some people have is that, I hope you don't mention it was almost fortunate that you still saw yourself as yes. that
1: person. A hundred. I was very fortunate to have that.
0: Whereas I work, you know, and I see and speak to a lot of people that don't no. that don't see themselves as that. You know, and maybe before you
1: your anxiety problem. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, if you're going into an anxiety disorder, and the these are the people that you know, they're quite. It's challenging together to work with for both mm. of us, but it's like one of the biggest obstacles is the fact that they don't think they're capable. Yep. um And so, therefore, the obsession. And when we're talking about, well, I'm obsessed with my anxiety, and we talk about compassion a lot. in this, is that the obsession becomes and I say this with, with all sincerity and a lot of compassion myself, but the obsession becomes how can I get rid of my anxiety in a way that one, isn't me getting the credit Mm -hmm. and two shortcuts my way through me having to give myself praise for doing difficult things. Yeah. So these are the people that, you know, they have the CBD oils, they do the tapping of the face and they do all these things. They do anything but them, giving themselves a platform to give themselves credit for doing something tough yeah. because there's no belief there and so it's, oh, i did this i forced myself to the to drive i forced myself to the gig i did this it's like no, no. you encouraged yourself to do yeah. something tricky yeah. um and a lot of people can become obsessed with anxiety because they see it as a puzzle rather than a holistic i'm going to say it journey that
1: uh, Oh, ouch. We it took us 19 episodes to use the word journey.
0: Oh no, I think we did say journey earlier. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my journey. Anyway, <laughs> but it is a holistic journey. Yeah. Um, that actually requires you, and it. it does require you to be like have some self-belief. Yeah. You know, and so you know, I was a bit fortunate too. I had I had some self-belief le- left, but I was also in a bittersweet way, and I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the priority. I was in a situation where I'd look after a family member who was very unwell, and so, in a bittersweet way, I had some motivation there Mm -hmm. because I had to do it. Um, Might have been a different story if that wasn't the case, and it was just me left to my own devices and my own screaming Craig the Critic Mm -hmm. and all these things. And so, yeah, that can be a way that you can become obsessed with your anxiety. I will find a way, the magic miracle thought or word or technique that gets rid of it so I can go back to living my life of not caring about me or giving myself any praise and just getting on with stuff.
1: And that's a particularly insidious form of the obsession to me, because then you you kind of listen to podcasts like this one, for instance, as a resource, and you hear us talking about doing difficult things and being brave and learning that you get the credit. And that's one side of it. But then that lack of self-belief drives you to dig for resources that don't require that. And you try to reconcile the two and you can't. And then those other things don't necessarily work. And then you see yourself as even less capable. Like I'm, I'm too afraid or I feel incapable of doing the hard things. So let me try it this way with tapping my cheek or whatever it happens to be. That's not working either. So nothing works. See, I'm so hopeless that nothing works. I'm beyond help here. So it really can snowball into this negative cycle where you just feel like nothing's ever gonna work for me and I can't do anything. A disclaimer,
0: that's not true. Correct.
1: You yes, it's not true. There's always you so are not you can, There's always a positive way out. Don't worry about it. You've yeah, got yes. this. yeah. There's you're, you're not hopeless. That's true. So, okay, what is, but that, in fact,
0: even identifying that as a problem is helpful. Like, actually, maybe I could do some work on me. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that is where I usually say to people, well, maybe let's leave the cognitive behavioral approach at the moment and let's and just leave all that stuff. You want to be agrophobic for a bit? You want to do all that? Yeah. Why don't we just kind of look at like why are you so. Harshen yourself. Where's your lack of self-belief?
1: And let's challenge those beliefs. Yeah, what if we build a little scenario here where you act like you believe in yourself even while you don't to see what happens? Oh, I like that. Yeah, well, let's just do little experiments, little things. Just try something you think you can't do, little stuff.
0: I'm a fan of fake it till you make it, are you? Yeah, fake it till you make it is so cliche, but there's truth behind it. I I think there's a lot of truth behind it. I I had a client and they said to me like, Isn't that like fake it till you make it? And I was like, kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. How good are you at faking it? Yeah, kind (laughs) of, yeah. Yeah, but like just kind of, yeah. I'm I'm telling you to go to that party and smile and pretend all these things. Not to hide who you really are or to mask or anything like that, but to teach the brain, look, this isn't dangerous anymore. So in the future,
1: you can enjoy this. Yeah. That's just as an example. Another Um, way to put that, I think, is act the way you want to feel. Act the way you want to feel. You, you know, in, in this thing that, that Josh and I do, like we're always leading with behavioral change. You can't you can't just decide to think different. You always lead with behavior. So act the way you want to feel. So you can learn how to actually feel that way over time. Just be patient and nice while you do it, because it takes a while to learn that. So mm, that's yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah. Act the way you want to feel. Um, obsessed. You know you're obsessed with your anxiety when mm-hmm. you engage in one of the anxiety's most common safety behaviors slash compulsions which is compulsive checking i did a post about that on my instagram today were you a compulsive checker and what i mean by compulsive checking is the checking of the self internal threat monitoring i'm checking to see if the anxiety is there is it gone has it changed has it morphed has it manifested physically
1: mm-hmm. were you a compulsive checker i was let me let me modify that a little bit because people will say well how do i not check no, 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 no. It's not that you're supposed to pretend it doesn't. It's not there or like somehow magically not checking. It goes away. Acknowledge. So I would change checking because I was a huge checker into acknowledge, but don't evaluate because compulsive checking to me, which is the thing I did.
0: Oh, he's, what, he's coming out of him today, isn't he? Oh yeah. I got oh, all Ryan, I've
1: got the my pens running out. Boom. Boom. boom just rabbit was, fire. It, a, acknowledge, but don't evaluate. I had to learn that lesson because my compulsive checking wasn't so much. How do I feel? Cause I know how I feel. I feel terrible every all day but is it getting worse is it getting how does it feel now am i can i fix this do i feel any different like so i would i would just have to say well yeah i, I feel crappy right now that's
0: it release like a disordered stocking filler and just have little quotes like that <laughs> um, acknowledge yeah. but don't evaluate i no. absolutely love that i'm stealing that
1: yeah 100 percent. use it uh, you have my yeah. permission you guys complete hear complete plagiarism yeah. like what i just came up with yeah so it's not like yeah. compulsive yeah. checking is like really compulsive evaluating i think
0: I love that. Yeah, because yeah, some things are automatic. Yeah, uh, but the less evaluating in time, there'll be less checking. Yes, that's because exactly. because the because the threat response doesn't have anything any concrete kind of threat yep. to store in its memory bank. So it just goes well. He didn't evaluate. I'll keep telling him to evaluate this, but the more times he doesn't then obviously the, and then nothing bad happens, then obviously this isn't really a danger.
1: Yeah, what what I found was over time, it was the the checking kind of stopped, even though I still felt things, I and mean, I could feel things today. I might feel anxious today. I don't know what's gonna be in this afternoon. Maybe I'll be anxious, I don't know. It's just not nearly as important as it used to be. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm having kind of an anxious day, whatever, it's like number seven on the priority list, where it used to be, burnt right up to number one. Everything else goes in the bank, yeah.
0: I, a big one is what, like the obsessive checking, so I I struggle with it, I, honestly, It it became so normal for me that i forgot i even did it so i went to cbt and i just thought like just checking how i felt i just thought was part of the overall neurotypical way of mm. living your daily life but then i realized actually normally people go around
1: constantly no. checking how they feel right That's, you, that's me checking on how i feel yeah and you probably yeah. didn't do that before you end up in that that tough spot
0: no, maybe it would be like, oh, I'm a bit tired or I'm a bit yeah. bored or whatever. But like, I, it was so, it meant so much because I'm obsessed with how I feel. I'm obsessed with the anxiety. So I'm going to keep checking as a compulsion to see if it's there or not. Or yeah. like I used to say, I'm checking to see if it's gone. <laughs> yeah. And the
1: minute you check to see if it's gone, it's not gone.
0: Exactly. It's a paradox. You it's never horrible. check it. Uh, one of my favorite posts I did on Instagram early on when it started. I didn't even get the recognition it deserved. So if anyone's there, scroll back three years and like it. And so, and it was... I uh, won't we'll tell you which post it is. You find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can never observe the moment anxiety disappears. That's correct. That's you a- can't do it. You can never observe the moment anxiety disappears. So whilst you're staring at it, it's not going to suddenly disappear. Right. It, it It's magical. It's like, it just... Yeah, just it just it's like one of the stone angels from Doctor Who. You ever seen that? Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It moves when you turn your back on it. Right, and that's but the other way. So rather than it coming to attack you, it's the it's the opposite of a stone angel. angel. It's a friendly stone angel. (laughs) Anxiety is a friendly stone angel. When you turn your back on it. Bucks off, sorry. Gonna... Editing That's... notes.
1: Yeah. Um, we're only 18 minutes into this, and this episode is chock full of more little mm, yummy gems than any other one <laughs> we've You done. just do a yum yum. yum, 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 yum,
0: yum. Oh, my partner's going
1: to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like that. Oh, miss- no. no you, you could have, you've could just lost about 5,000 followers. <laughs> um, but but <laughs> a good point, though, that obsession with anxiety, it becomes self-perpetuating because if when you are obsessed with it, it won't go away. You know, there's nothing you can, you can't just decide not to be obsessed. Let's just say that right now. You can't just decide, all right, no, I'm I'm not going to be obsessed with it anymore. It doesn't work that way. But what are some of the, before we get to that part, what are some of the other ways that you think being obsessed or consumed with your anxiety come out? Compulsive checking and evaluating is the first one we said, but I just hate it.
0: Why can't I feel normal? Why can't I feel like the old me?
1: What would your response to that be? My response to that is, I feel that in my bones. I, I still hate it. I don't want to have an anxious day. You're allowed to hate it. Hating it is not wrong. Hating is not a crime. Wanting a better life is not a crime. Just, again, be careful of the second step. I hate it, therefore I am failing and I must make everything revolve around the fact that I hate it and I want to get away from it. No, you don't. Go ahead and hate it all you want. It's fine. Sometimes hating it is motivation and recovery. That's all right. You don't have to like it. It's okay to hate it. Just don't, yeah, don't immerse yeah, yourself that. in that and turn that into your entire day. Yeah. I've let
0: anger actually channeling anger into, yeah. into exposures. Yep. I'm so sick of this. I'm just going to do this anyway. Yep. And see what happens because anything is better than me sitting at home, ruminating, feeling sorry for myself. My 500th time on Google today. Uh, compulsing, reassurance-seeking, whatever. I'm just going to do what non-anxious me
1: would do whilst feeling like rubbish. That's another good way that it, 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 you know, I hate it. I just hate it. I want it gone. It's a good one. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Yeah, 500th time on Google is another obsessive. How do you know you're obsessed with your anxiety when you are compulsively and continually resource-gathering? Compulsive resource-gathering.
0: Yeah, And also, again, mention of OCD here, uh, 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 a kind of OCD typical behaviour for people with obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, and sometimes this can be quite a niche subtype. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's um, yeah, a resource gathering. The feeling like you've missed something. So you know, a lot of kind of stereotypes of OCD where things have got to be like in symmetry and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like a la- it's like a, satia- sa- say- she- a satiation.
1: Yeah, you got it. it. Satiety. It. Do that. It's a it's satiety related. It's a satiety yeah.
0: um, kind of compulsion where we can't relax and the threat response kicks off in relation to not feeling satiated. Yeah, uh, And so um, that can apply to, in a very niche kind of um, OCD, kind of to resource gathering around anxious obsessions. Mm. So this looks like, what if I've missed something? What if there's a book out there that I've missed? What if there's a bit of information about... I don't know, this philosophy that, that I've missed. Yep, it's, You're looking for the final piece of a puzzle that doesn't
1: exist. It never has a final piece. It's never actually finished. It was never a puzzle. Right. It, they, they, see, they're coming fast and furious. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I think you can also look at, uh, well, let me just scroll my Facebook group one more time because this I might hear the story today that locks it all into place for me and changes everything. So, that,
0: or, or find that healer, that person who I can give the credit to, yep. who has all the answers.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because there's it, that is also an insidious form of that, like anxiety, anxiety obsession, because it's like variable, uh, variable reinforcement, like a slot machine. So every time I pull that handle, this might be the time that I get the magic nugget, the magic quote, mm-hmm. the magic Instagram post that, like, so I'm going to keep pulling that handle again and again and again and because feeding. You're, ch-
0: it out. you're chasing that satiety.
1: Yes. Right, that that one thing, that thing I might be missing, or I need to know a little more. I will yeah. also say this, and this again is not blame; it's just you know realization of this can be helpful. Sometimes compulsive resource gathering is a substitute for recovery. So, like, I know all the things that I'm supposed to do, but let me just gather more. Let me gather more instructions because it's easier to gather instructions than it is to follow them. For everybody,
0: yeah. the of course, absolutely. You yeah, know, and I've done. It. I must have read like claire weeks's book a hundred times read your book drew you know i've I've even read my own book when i was relapsed which is actually (laughs) helpful to read it once i was like oh yeah i remember the mindset i was in when i I read this when you're rereading stuff over and over again and doing all these things like when i reread sally winston's therapist book Mm -hmm. and all that about fights, i was like come on now man like there's no this has become a compulsive behavior where i'm actually giving the credit this is why if you've not listened to the getting you know getting the credit episode it's so important even on a on a macro overarching scale yeah is that it's got to be you that leans into the uncertainty it's okay to have tools and stuff to get there and to encourage you and to motivate you but i mean you know everything now there's nothing really uh, there's no magic thing out there yes in your personal life it's always nice to look that is your personal life that is your life that you've lived anxiety disorders follow the same kind of mechanism and algorithm you are more than your anxiety disorder and what's really nice in therapy is when you get to a place that anxiety disorder isn't important anymore and then you can sit on a therapy couch like a boring normie and talk about all the stuff about your life and things yeah yeah and, uh, and and actually things that have happened like important stuff that is nothing to do with the anxiety disorder or even the impact the anxiety disorder had on you and what you perhaps you're grieving and missed out on, whatever. It's fine. But what you've got to remember is that this is done outside the realms of the obsession with your anxiety. Mm. And when we say obsession, we're not saying, oh, you're obsessing about your anxiety, whatever. No, no, no. We've been there.
1: Yeah. We get it. You're not oh. choosing to do that, by the way.
0: No. It's oh, so any, you it's you're, it's your you're doing it to get out because you don't want to feel this anymore. Right. We get it. Right. We get it, but what we're saying is, we're t- saying the things that didn't help us. I was obsessed with these things, and it's like I didn't realize that I was the coping mechanism, I was the tool, I was the technique this whole time. I just can't believe it. I couldn't believe it. it must be in the in the arms and the knowledge of this healer or this
1: external thing from me. And um, but yeah, let's do uh, let's do another one. Like you know, you're obsessed with anxiety when socially anxiety becomes your haven. So you only want to be around other people that have, especially in the era of the internet, when we can be, you know, I, I my social connections are all based on anxiety support groups or my, my in-person support group and anxious people and people who will understand forums. And, yes, forums, like no one else understands. So I just only want to hang out with these people. And when I hit a rough patch in the rest of the world, I run back to my safe haven of other anxious people who will tell me it's okay. That's another like real obsession. How much of your social interaction is based on is with other people who are struggling. And so community is great. Don't get me wrong. You need support, but is it your only social interaction? That's another good indicator that you're a little bit upset.
0: And that's the thing, we've got to be careful here because, like, yeah, maybe you've actually met like legit kind of friends oh, there. And over the time. time, of course, when it just be careful about the relationship you have with it. If it right. becomes something that ultimately is something that is an unhealthy mm-hmm. place to be, so you know, you're on there and you've posted for the 50th time that week because you're seeking compulsive reassurance. Mm-hmm um then yeah maybe that's not the way to go if it's a you know i'm in an all right place now and i'm checking in and you know maybe someone needs a bit of help and advice or whatever and or we're just having a chat about the latest i don't know tv program this specific forum yeah that's okay but what's your relationship with it if it's if it's because your whole world is about how your anxiety and how you feel and again it's okay to share how bad the experience is with people we're not right. saying it's not and it sucks um i'm a bit because i didn't have those forums and stuff when i when i had my anxiety It was just me but actually looking back that was a help mm-hmm. yeah i i had i was like okay it's me my claire weeks book uh you know I, I, and let's crack on with it you know, yeah. rather than you know, I could have gone down the hole of seeking forums and different forums and stuff like that, and started a cycle of compulsive reassurance seeking, and I'd never get there. And a lot of these forums as well, they, they talk about unhelpful things. You know, like yeah. I've tried this, have you tried that? I've tried herbal tea. You've tried all these, and then and then it starts promoting safety behaviors. Anyway, yeah,
1: that's what I yeah, wanted to say. That's, a, that's another, another form. So mm-hmm. what do we do about, like, okay, so I'm a little bit, I won't say, I'm going to stop saying obsessed. I am consumed by my anxiety. What, what do I do? And again, you can't just decide to stop feeling that way or stop thinking that. So what, what what we do to start to pry ourselves away a little bit from being consumed?
0: For me, sometimes it's literally planning. One of the most common things I hear is, well, one of my rules is, do what not anxious you would do. Mm-hmm. And some people have been so anxious for so long. They're like, I don't know what non-anxious me would do. So, well, then let's write out your entire day. Yeah, try some stuff. Ten minutes by ten minutes. Really? That's that's really laborious. Well, yeah, because if you don't know how to behave, and like you said before, you know, behave how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to behave like a non-anxious person, then it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy that anxiety is going to be there because you don't know how to behave otherwise so I'd sometimes i'd literally write out and that's fine no shame like what would non-anxious me ideally even hypothetically do tomorrow right see how much of that you can do great start and you'd find that non-anxious you wouldn't be on amazon buying your 15th self help book you wouldn't be on webmd looking at the uh, you know the potential side effects of ativan yeah You wouldn't be doing these things. You wouldn't even probably listening to this podcast, although you're probably doing it for the humor. Um, I tell you, uh, I tell you what you're not obsessed with, Drew. Fashion. Oh,
1: (laughs) no, no! (laughs) Following us, fashion obsessed. They're recovering from the fashion obsessed.
0: Just a shot fired from nowhere, like absolutely nowhere. There was no need for that. You were just fishing, and I just came over and kicked you in the canal. 100%, yeah.
1: <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. Or you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be checking your Facebook group again to see, it. oh, are there any new posts, you know, that I, I, something important might be there? So, you know, uh, it's sometimes you have to try things in that situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know what not I, Well, then just you have to yeah, try a l- thing. Maybe
0: try and find, I know it sounds bad, like finding a hobby. Can actually be quite fun. I've tried loads of stuff. Yeah. Loads of stuff I didn't like, but I'm kind of glad I did it. And I found some cool stuff. I play the lamest sport in the world, pickleball uh, in the UK. It's so lame. It's a cult. Everyone is well weird. I'm one of those weirdos. And I love it. I've realized I really enjoy it. It's lovely. And when I say well weird, they're lovely. Uh, I've made some good friends. And also, I don't want to um, insult the supreme leader. But in general, um, I I went along. I was like, I'm not gonna like that, and
1: I did. Who knew? You liked it? Who knew? Yeah. 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 So it's a matter of trying stuff. That's why I have these silly guitars behind me. You guys always see on video. Like you are not watching. He's never played once. once. I'm never gonna play it on screen. I posted (laughs) recording once years ago on Facebook. I'm never doing that again. But like, I was just like, I gotta try some stuff here because I I lost my full time job as an anxious person. So I gotta find some new employment. Like I gotta just try some stuff. So that is definitely one way to start to slowly pry yourself away from being consumed all the time with your anxiety act. Do something that's not anxiety related. But let's acknowledge that that feels like a roll of the dice. If so you want like to act how you want to feel, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I probably didn't make that up. I'm sure other people have said that, but we'll just apply it in this. But, just, uh, just take credit for it. Maybe. I'm going to totally take credit for it. Okay. I, I, <laughs> copyright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. He probably like stepped on the, sh- the Carbonell shoes. Or I, like, yeah. I copyrighted it. <laughs> at, at this point. He's like, I'm, I'm never talking to that guy again. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think notice that when you do that, when you start to step away from that or step out of that compulsive or like that all consuming cycle, like it will feel wrong. It's going to feel like this is not right. This is dangerous. This is irresponsibility. I'm going to miss something being reckless with my health and my recovery you got to roll those dice and see what happens. Oh, look, I tried pickleball or I tried playing the harp for 15 minutes. I hated it, but nothing bad happened to me because I no. concentrated on my harmonica instead of my anxiety for, for a half hour.
0: And those with fierce internal critics don't be like, oh, what's the point? That hobby was rubbish. I can't find anything.
1: No, just, like, well done. You tried something. tried something. Yeah, I tried rowing. It wasn't for me. Rowing? Like on the lake? On, on a river? Yeah, yeah oh you cool
0: british man we all row Have to so row. it's only how we get to places we just <laughs> roll back just row backwards
1: it's how <laughs> we get to places there are no cars in england everybody no,
0: everyone's backwards. just rowing backwards <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah yeah um i don't know but you got to try things and, and you're rolling the dice every time you walk step back from that like i'm i'm obsessed with my anxiety it feels wrong on a variety of levels that will be individual and might change from minute to minute for you, even, but can't do that. What if I miss something?
0: And some of you are probably thinking, yeah, well, this is rich from people who have recorded hours of anxiety content, who post anxiety content, who write books and have, you know, social media content. And mm-hmm. I'm literally called Anxiety Josh. Well, my, I'm not literally called that. That would be horrendously sadistic and fatalistic for my mother to do that. Sure. But. Uh, But I'm called anxiety, Josh, and it was the anxious truth. But the reason why, but but when we're not doing this, I am going to go home and do something completely non anxiety related because I need to switch off from it. I don't want to do that. You know, I love talking about it from a, from a healthy perspective. Uh, I love talking about it with Drew and I love making social media content, but that's about two, three hours a day. Uh, and when I'm seeing clients, obviously, and stuff, but that's different. That's the kind of therapy mm-hmm. as well in itself. And I love doing therapy. But in general, as anxiety is a topic, I leave it alone. It's gone. You will yeah. not hear me talking. I go back to being Josh Fletcher at the, in the evening, mm-hmm. and I will be, you know, just doing what I do um, drinking whiskey and crying in the garden. No, I'm not, do, I, do, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that i'm not then doing I hear, that. hear from
1: non-anxiety josh and it's so disturbing <laughs>
0: okay. don't, don't non-anxiety don't want to hear from not.
1: non-anxiety trust me on this but uh <laughs> that's true and that's why people will say sometimes i've, I've been sometimes i'm not gonna say maligned but certainly questioned like how come you never post like that you're at this place or you, you don't remember when checking into places on social media was oh a, yeah we never see your family like yeah because i have another life like it's not just this But back in the day when I was glued to my anxiety, there was no other life. It was my life. And so just slowly, little by little, you're rolling the dice of like, what if I don't make it my life for 10 minutes and then 15 minutes and then 20 minutes? What happens? Nothing. Nothing bad happens. Imagine a
0: day, and I imagine this to you now. Imagine a day where our voices are not needed. They're just voices of the past that helped you on your way somewhere you know, and I think that's really important, and we, Drew and I have had this conversation multiple times, but there'll be a stage where, you know, you don't need this, you don't need our voices Mm -hmm. anymore, you know, and we just be an honour, we'd be more happy, and it'd be an honour to be part of someone who actually doesn't even think about us anymore, because you don't need to, your life is not obsessed with anxiety anymore, we were just voices that kind of help you get to a place where because your
1: life's way more interesting. Yeah, that is hundred percent, and it will be again one day. Even though right now maybe you won't feel that way, you can get there. There, you can do it. It's just is that a nice warm fuzz.
0: Then is that is that self righteousness or is it just actually being? Yeah. Not many pod, not many anxiety people tell you that
1: you know. Like, stop listening to them. Yeah, like how many yeah. podcasters are telling you to stop listening to their podcast? Or it will be a happy day that then when you listen to the last episode of Disordered, like it is, and then we'll yeah,
0: and then we'll sucker punch them later. Then we'll co-write we'll a book called. <laughs> Wait, you missed. Wait, you missed something. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm joking with you. <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait. You missed something. What
1: you actually missed. Yeah, no, 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 no. Most we important do that. thing you've never heard before about anxiety. Like Josh, <laughs> good, but it's okay. You the and it's just pictures of, of me and you dancing. <laughs> like, 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 um, oh, oh, no. then they'll need different therapy
0: after that um, uh, I've got any did it anyway so I think we're going to leave me too.
1: let's wrap it up we'll do our usual did it anyways we'll do a question from the audience so if you guys want to send in a did it anyway or ask us a question you can just go to disorder.fm and send us an email or hit the little blue button and record us a voicemail we love those those are like our favorite little toy so yeah. Yeah. Um, you want me to do the did anyway or do you want to do the question first
0: um, I'll do the question alright let's do it um, Hi, love the podcast. Thank you very much. I just wanted to ask were there times in your anxiety recovery where you struggled with the thought of, oh, I'm just not going to get better? I don't see how I can recover from this. It's an intrusive thought I struggle with that brings a lot of anxiety. I've been working hard to tolerate and push myself to do activities. Well done, in spite of how I'm feeling. But this is a thought that keeps cropping up. Thank you. Oh, no, I'm not going to get better. I just don't see how I can recover from this. Come on, Drew,
1: over to you. Oh, uh, we talked about this earlier in the episode. I admittedly, you know, I'll always be honest with you guys. I really never had the thought. I'm never going to get better. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that makes me unusual, but I never really had that thought. I would get frustrated. I would get impatient. I would get angry with the pace of recovery. I would feel those things. This is taking too long, but I never think, I don't think I ever got to the point where it's like, I'm never going to get better.
0: Okay. Yeah. Drew was useless on that one. I was I'll used to that something. one. Yeah. So for those, for you, that uh, it's not, you have to, it no, to be a balance. Was, I've yeah. written down about 50 nice things, amazing things you said today. Uh, but for some people who do struggle with the self-doubt, and we did talk about that, like I see myself as an obstacle to get over. That is an internal voice where I would reframe that. It's not something, you're not unwell. I'd mm-hmm. reframe it to, I, how can I make sure that my threat response fires off less? Mm-hmm. What am I doing that's keeping my threat response on alert? Because you've formulated the problem like anxiety is this insidious disease that's waking up and shaking you and hurting you and flaring off, whatever. No, a lot of what constitutes an anxiety disorder is actually what's keeping us there. So you, you, could, you could be one of the compulsive checkers that we've spoken about today. Mm-hmm. This episode could actually be tailored for you in the sense that actually I'm obsessed with it it, the, the mere presence of it there is a symbol of my failure. It's mm-hmm. never going to go away. Well, actually, and this is where we are talk about willful tolerance, prepare the, and listen to the attitudinal shift episode, the attitude shift mm-hmm. about well, I'm allowing it to be there and let the paradox of recovery kick in, you'll love that. So yeah, I strongly recommend go listening to the attitude shift podcast, because when you have that emotional attachment to it, which is, Oh, i'm never gonna get better well you're signaling to the brain and and subscribing to a belief that you're unwell now don't get me wrong anxiety can make you feel unwell and and do that but actually it's a i love calling it a disorder things just aren't in order you can turn off the threat response but when we have that attitude towards the threat response it still thinks it's being super important so yeah go listen to attitude shift and um good question as well and well done for doing the stuff as well i'm still doing and doing these activities forgot to mention that. And you know, well, I, I think that's
1: the best response to that. That quote. You can't stop your brain from saying that. What if I never get better? And the answer is, well, let me go do something for myself, What you're doing. You're already doing it. So yeah. What if I thing.
0: never get better? Oh, is that going to stop better. me from eating this pizza? Right. Hell no. Oh. Yeah, absolutely not. And he did it anyways to close
1: up. Yeah, we yeah. haven't quite did it anyway. This is a good one. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. So um, again, if you ever want us to actually say your name, just tell us, otherwise we won't Um, I have a did-it-anyway story. Oh, feel free to use my name. This is from Lexi. Thank you for sharing, Lexi. I'm very proud that I did it. I went to Disney World and Universal Studios in Florida a few months ago. I have OCD, panic anxiety, panic disorder, agoraphobia, and social anxiety. I went with a friend of mine who knew that I would have issues while we were there, but she was fine with it. Good for your friend. Um, I had panic attacks every day, even with my normal medication and Xanax, but except for those moments when I had to stop and live through the panic, I had a great time. Yeah. I'm scared to go again, since when I'm triggered, I want to avoid these situations again, but I am so proud that I made it, and I have pictures to prove I was there.
0: Love what a it. great story. Love it. Where's, come on, guys. I need some applause. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well Thank done. That's absolutely, we've actually got Goofy in the audience today, <laughs> who was uh, really enjoyed that one. Do you know what I loved about that as well, so good? I lived through it. Yes, I did it. I, I did it. I lived through the panic. Of course, you did. You always you did, did it. I enjoyed myself at Disney i And fair play. I imagine Disney World to be quite overwhelming as well with joy, happiness, and people. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, well done. That's amazing. We love that kind of stuff. Yeah, really good.
1: I also love how she says she acknowledges I'm scared to go again since, you know, I don't want to be triggered. That's okay to acknowledge that, but you did it. And you can use this experience to lean on next time you do something.
0: Superb. Final awesome. call for any UK or European listeners. I'm trying to get more reviews on Spotify and Apple podcast but not for us we got not some lovely reviews i'm just trying to beat drew's and us audience so if you're a uk listener and you can drop us an apple podcast review like we can try and overtake the us version because i didn't realize that you only see your native reviews in your country so you said you had like a hundred we're only on like 40 odd something now come on uk guys come on let's 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 do this and then i can mock drew and to the point where his family disowned him and shamed him
1: <laughs> like six times the number of people. So, you know, maybe we have to wait that or something. A lot more don't matter. Come on, come on, Brits. Let's do it. Anyway. Thank, for you. Come on, yeah. Brits.
0: <laughs> thank you for, thank you for tuning in guys. And yep.
1: thank you, Drew, as always. See you next week. I'll be back to wrap it up in a second. Hey, it's Drew. Thanks for joining us for this episode of disordered. Josh and I both hope that you're finding it helpful in some way. For more information about Josh or me or the disordered podcast, Find us on the web at disordered.fm. That's disordered.fm. Pop on over and find links to our social media platforms. Join our mailing list so we can let you know when new podcast episodes are available. And we'll send you easy ways to ask us questions and share your wins so we can answer questions on the air and share your successes with the community. And if you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any platform that lets you rate or review, do us a favor and leave us a five-star rating and maybe write a review of your digging disorder. It really helps us out, and we appreciate that. Thanks again for coming by, and we'll see you in the next episode.